Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today, thoracic outlet syndrome, causes and solutions. And I'm putting this out there because um, a friend of a friend, you know, um, professional athlete got uh, thoracic outlet syndrome, and we're going to go over the causes and solutions. But I got a quote from Patrick Henry. Now, this is, um, you know, you're talking one of the founders of our country. Quote, should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense? Should I consider myself, I should consider myself guilty of treason towards my country? End of quote. Now, so Patrick Hendy is talking about um, his fear of expressing an opinion at offending someone. If he has that fear and doesn't express his opinion, he's really considering um, committing treason towards his country. So um, just that's a different time. It's (laughs) now we have a incredible censorship. The government is um, in cahoots with all the social media groups. And if you say anything against election integrity or vaccines or um, an intervention protocol such as shutting down and essential, non-essential, uh, you are considered a domestic terrorist. So along those lines, I want to promote this one video called Never Again is Now Global. And you can get it from childrenshealthdefense.org. That's childrenshealthdefense.org. This is Robert Kennedy's site. But I encourage you to watch this. There's part one of five parts. And you're going to see the absolute correlation of um, the tyranny that we're under and past fascist regimes. Now, we're going to have um, a, another portion of this talk that's going to be on the censored part because we are in a fascist regime. Uh, the, the tyranny is taking over where we do not have spe- free speech in the country. So we have the Dr. B VIP, and thank God for all those that are supporting this. It's DRB VIP. God bless you. Um, I mean, uh, we go from from being monetized and making money to where this costs us around four grand a month. So thank you for your support in Extreme Health Academy. Um, I was just on there a couple of, uh, last weekend doing a uh, webinar. A fantastic group. I mean, this is amazing. Now, when we look at this thoracic outlet is not just coming from the the outlet to the thorax is right underneath the neck. So if your head is forward, that is going to compromise the outlet to the thoracic area. What's mind-blowing is that thoracic outlet is they're not looking at forward head carriage or loss of curve in the neck. They're not correlating it with a neck issue, which is mind-blowing. So ignored causes of shoulder conditions. Number one, pinched nerves in the neck. That's neurogenic. The other is vascular or compromised arterial supply. And if the head is forward, you are compromising the the blood flow in and the blood flowing out of that upper extremity, like the shoulder. Also, mechanical distortions in the thoracic area. If that rib cage area is laterally deviated from some type of trauma, it's going to set up a huge amount of abnormal force loading. 
So number one, when you're talking about thoracic outlet syndrome, you've got to look at the postural versus phasic muscles. Now, the muscles run down either side of your spine. They're not under conscious control. Like you can tighten and loosen the arm and arm muscles, the leg muscles. The muscles that run down either side of your spine increase in tone based on what's called proprioception, your body's position in space. So literally, if you have tight shoulders, and you should have tight shoulders, particularly when you have thoracic outlet syndrome, these muscles are screaming to try and pull that head back into alignment. Now, <clears throat> so anybody that, and this is what I used to tell the students, uh, if you have somebody with super tight shoulders, tight muscles, should you relax and loosen up those muscles in order to have the body accept that new position? or find out why they're tight. Find out why they're tight. That's the only thing that makes sense. So the forward head posture is hugely um, uh, in a contributing factor. Now, all the nerves that supply the shoulder, they're called the brachial plexus. And this comes out of the neck. And you're literally going to have um, myotomes, dermatomes, areas of muscle that are supplied by a specific nerve root. You're going to have the areas of skin supplied by a specific nerve root that will all show that will all show signs for um, nerve impingement. The problem is the medical world today doesn't look at nerve impingement as a structural distortion. So you restore the curve in the neck, you're reversing stenosis. You regenerate the discs in the neck, you're reversing stenosis. Now, discs are alive that can regenerate, and curves can be restored. And this is called proprioception. But you cannot restore this, and this is why there's a huge disconnect between the medical community and the chiropractic corrective community, because you're literally going to see um, the curves restored or curves lost, and this is why there's a disconnect. Now, you've got the socket of the shoulder. The shoulder is fantastically mobile. It's not as mobile as the hip because the hip is more in a bony socket. The shoulder is in this socket called a labrum, and it's fantastic. If you ever see one on a real cadaver, they, they feel like, kind of like you microwave Tupperware. They're really, really thick. Now, even one of the muscles, bicep muscle, attaches to this. And, and so if there's a, um, a strain of the shoulder muscle or a strain of the biceps, you can actually damage that labrum if it's distorted. Now, the labrum holds that shoulder in place. Now, the problem with this is that you've got a massive deltoid on top, and you've got four muscles that hold that shoulder into the shoulder girdle, and they're called rotators. Now, if any of those muscles get compromised because, say, pinched nerve in the neck or the head being forward, the shoulder doesn't fall out of the socket. It falls up because there's a massive deltoid there. So what happens is, first, you have a trauma. That's going to alter the thoracic or the neck. You're going to lose some of the curve. Now, that's going to compromise the nerve supply and blood supply to the shoulder girdle. Now, that's going to weaken the rotator cuff that hold that shoulder into that socket. And the deltoid is going to be pulling up, so then that changes the shape of that labrum, and that distorts it. 
<clears throat> so then they call it thoracic outlet syndrome or impingement syndrome or rotator cuff problems. No, none of those things are, are those the end result of the original loss of curve in the neck, forward head carriage, or structural deviation. And this is frustrating, particularly when you're dealing with professional athletes. Um, the, the doctors are not looking long-term. They want to duct tape your body together and get it back on the court or you know, field in order to perform the way you're hired to perform. So they do not treat these, these people. They just want to get them um, through the next game or through this season. And then if they're broken down, beautiful. We get a new guy in from the ranks. And that's, that's horrible for these people. These guys could have really long, productive, healthy careers if we took care of them first. So why is the supraspinatus the most commonly injured in all shoulder injuries? Now, supraspinatus is one of the rotator cuff muscles. Why? Because it's at the top of the scapula. So if that head goes forward, compromising the nerve supply or blood supply coming out, the topmost muscle is going to be the most affected. Isn't that interesting? Now, um, when we look at this, how to reform the labrum, and that is going to be the key. So if you want to reform that socket, what you're going to do um, is you're going to keep your chin up because you've got to get that neck assessed and get it corrected. And you're going to see all the corrections that we do are to restore the curve in the neck. But now, assuming that you've got a decent curve in the neck, you're working on the curve in the neck, we've got to form the labrum. And this is actually what I told um, this guy to do. You're going to put your palm forward, so your arm's hanging down along your side. Palm is forward. You're going to put it between a 10 and a 20-pound weight in the arm. So it's just pulling it straight down, and your elbow is straight. So your arm is straight down. Now, this is a ligamentous-based exercise. And then your chin's up, so you've got good you know, nerve supply to the area. And then you dangle it your arm goes back a little bit to the, your butt and forward a little bit to your belly. And so it's just swinging kind of like the pendulum on a grandfather clock. So just back and forth a little bit with the palm forward. Palm being forward means you're rotating that, that head of the humerus inside of that labrum, and then the labrum is going to start to form around it. Now, one of the most important things is that um, we've got sacs inside of this. You've got synovial fluids, you've got bursa sacs, you've got tendons crossed in this joint. The shoulder joint's incredibly complex. It's brilliant. I would recommend heat on that. Okay, why? Because that's going to fill up the joints with fluid. And since all the joints are hydraulic, it's going to be fantastic. And when you're talking thoracic outlet, it means that you have compromised blood supply and nerve supply to the area. This is why you're going to have a lot of tendon, tendonitis, bursitis, a lot of these different things. And again, what's the number one therapy if you get somebody with tendonitis, bursitis, or these things, which are coming from altered mechanics or lack of fluid? You get these moron doctors, they're going to shoot you with cortisone, which destroys the joint cartilage, Okay, limits the body's ability to heal, and shrinks the swelling of everything, even though inflammation is how the body heals. 
So the therapies the barbarians use are absolutely incredible. When we look at, so you've got to look at the, the cervical spine and what the shoulder looks like. Now, bones are going to remodel. They're going to remodel to pathology, to trauma. They're going to remodel to health. So bones are very, very dynamic. They're not, they're, they're not static. It's not like a chicken bone. So realize that once you restore the nerve supply to that area, you can start to remodel the, the structures within that area. Um, now, now, also, let's look at the shoulder itself. You've got um, one bony attachment. That's the clavicle or collarbone. You've got 18 muscles that hold that shoulder and glide it up and down the rib cage. So if you have a distortion where that thoracic area, that rib cage area, is twisted off to one side, you're talking that scapula that, is, that holds that shoulder is not going to be riding up and down clearly. It's not, there's going to be an altered mechanic. So not only do you have to look at, at, the, at the cervical spine, you've got to look at the thoracic area to make sure that you have a good flow of that scapula going up. There, there's even a scapulothoracic joint where the scapula going along the ribcage area and this is mind-blowing because under chronic altered shoulder mechanics, that scapula starts to develop adhesions, and that can cause altered motion. It's just the scapulothoracic junction is something usually missed. Um, and, and it's just I'm going to be showing a number of before and after x-rays on, on patients that have had um, certain challenges. And you're, you're going to see before and after where literally um, those joints were, were we um, had challenges and they were regenerated. So um, it, it's, it's just fun to see that, that bodies literally do regenerate. And, and if you... Um, realize that uh, that that the body gives symptoms for a reason. It's fantastic. You're not going to go in and start to um, shoot it with cortisone, which destroys the joint cartilage. Just make sure that when you're doing these um, issues, if you're getting the information for a shoulder injury from an MRI, realize that the MRI is very, very, very inaccurate. MRIs, um, magnetic resonance imagery, um, literally has um, inflammation is going to distort it and body posture is going to distort it. So if you're laying down, gravity's pushing down and the table's pushing up. They do have some weight-bearing MRIs, which are going to kind of show more soft tissue a little bit better. But again, it's really just a rough guide because body position is going to change it, inflammation is going to change it. And then the computer that interprets the, these hydrogen ions that are faced in one direction based on the magnetic magnet going around your body really fast, okay, um, the, it can misinterpret it. So what you may see is a total tear on the MRI. It might just be a, a small tear or an injury. 
And let me tell you, tears heal. If it's a complete tear, you need surgery. But if it's a partial tear, you can have it repaired. And I'm going to go through multiple, multiple um, cases of where we've seen damaged and restored, damaged and restored. And this is hugely important. Now, one of the things that's completely dangerous, and this is not only dangerous but psychotic, um, understand that if you're talking thoracic outlet, you know that head is, is forward compromising the outlet to the thoracic area. And we know that that's going to weaken the rotator cuff muscles. And the rotator cuff muscles, if those are weak, then the shoulder is going to be jammed up, distorting the socket that holds the labrum. So just get all of that stuff straight. Now, the worst exercise you can do is the most common exercise that physical therapists will do. They'll have them lift their arm over their head. They'll try and get full range of motion, even though the shoulder is not in the socket. And they'll gauge how, how that shoulder is getting better and better motion, and they're torturing these poor people by forcing that shoulder up and think of this, if you're moving that shoulder with compromised nerve supply or blood supply to the shoulder, that's not smart, okay? It, it just doesn't make sense. And so this is why the one exercise that you need to do while you're restoring the curve, while you're restoring the biomechanics of the scapula moving up and down on the thoracic area, you've got to do that weight exercise. So we're talking 10 to 20-pound weight. Your arm is straight, you're, it's hanging down by your side, and it's moving back to the butt, forward to the belly, just like a, um, a grandfather clock. So that type of motion is going to be the key. You do not want to put your arm over your head as the primary therapy. Now, uh, if you happen to have a sport or activity that you have to do it overhead, you know, you got to get the job done. So, you know, you can move it over your head, but as a therapy, I wouldn't recommend it. That's why you have to change that labrum distortion in order to get it to work correctly. Now, we're also going to go over shoulder dislocation. Um, I actually have a picture of my, uh, my youngest son's shoulder, which, oh my gosh, it was so gosh darn painful that I wanted to take an x-ray and make sure that the thing wasn't broken because he was in agony. And this kid is tough. So for Danny to be hurting like that, I, I went in and took an x-ray. <laughs> so, so that was hugely important. But you've got to look at what the x-ray looks like and not just the x-ray of, um, of the shoulder, uh, x-ray of the neck. And Again, if I could, if I could um, stress the point as much as you possibly can, that you have got to get the neck forward head carriage corrected, and then your body's going to work. Now, once you get the shoulder joint corrected, once you get the cervical spine corrected, and it could take anywhere from a couple of weeks to um, several months, you have to maintain that because just like if you have a piece of steel that bends under force and then you beat that steel down flat again so it's straight, you put that steel under a force load, it's going to bend at the same location that it was before. So just know 
that once that neck, if that neck has been damaged in the past, you've got to maintain the health of the neck. Now, you also have to maintain the health of the lumbar. This is why when you're using that pelvis system, that pelvic health um, foam piece on our pelvic health videos, you have to put that foam piece, bottom of the elbow is the bottom of the roller water bottle, in order to correct the thoracic outlet syndrome, you've got to restore the curve of the lumbar. And again, hugely important because if those shoulders are rounded and that heads forward, that's going to be a massive contributing factor to the forward head carriage or the thoracic outlet. It just, it drives me crazy when people talk about outlet, okay, it being a syndrome and not looking at the curve of the neck. Now I've got a couple of patients, and I'm talking some patients, you know, we're talking 70, 80 years old with forward head carriage and shows correction. And that's one of the keys. The body can be corrected anytime as long as there's movement. That's why if you have somebody with thoracic outlet syndrome, you cannot just do a static x-ray. You have to do stress x-rays to identify if those neck, if that neck moves, if the joints are viable. This is why the uh, three simplest exercises that you're gonna do, um, you have to get like say a thin towel, like a dish towel, or you can use a shirt if you don't mind distorting the collar. Um, pull it down, your hands are tight to your chest, and pull the towel down so you have a pivot point at the base of the neck and then you look up, kind of like a turtle looking out of their shell. And you're only pulling down with about two to three pounds of pressure. And then when you look straight ahead, you release it. So it's looking up and straight ahead. Um, I had one of our patients in Mexico talk about a four-point um, exercise. You pull down, that's one. You look up like a turtle looking out of her shell, that's two. You look straight, that's three. You relax the pressure on the where you're pulling down, that's four. So one, pull down, two, look up, three, look straight ahead, four, relax the pressure, and then repeat that. And we'll tell people to do that at least 100, 150 times a day. If you're sitting at a desk, you can put your elbows on a kitchen table or a desk or whatever, put your chin in the palms, and then deep breathe. That deep breathing will increase the intrathecal pressure and make a huge, huge difference. So again, those things are so vital, but you also have to make sure that you're restoring the curve in the low back. Now, when we look at this, cervical adjusting is so important. When you're adjusting correctly, the head is turned no more than 10 to 15 degrees. So it's not twisted. Okay, you can do slight lateral flexion, but not twisted. And this is the more you rotate that neck, the less corrections you're going to be. You can get pops. You can get pops all day long, but you've got to get that corrected. So number one things to do, no end range of motion, okay, until you got to stabilize labrum. So Unless you're a professional athlete that's got to perform this weekend or during the week, okay, do that labrum exercise before and after your, exercise, uh, your event. If you're a contractor and you've got to, uh, or a trucker, and you've got to tie off a load or you've got to lift lumber or lift anything, fantastic. Then do that, 
that labrum exercise where you put a weight in your arm, put your palm forward, and swing it back and forth for four or five minutes. Do that throughout the day. If you're carrying a suitcase, put your palm forward, chin up, and dangle it. So all these different actions that you can do throughout the day. If your wife or girlfriend is carrying a heavy purse, have you carry it. Put it in your arm. <laughs> you know, any weight that you can do to pull that labrum down. So even though your activity may be doing damage, there's a lot of things you can do throughout the day to reform that labrum. And then restore the curve in the neck. You cannot, cannot, cannot rehab the shoulder unless you restore the curve in the neck. And then you have to correct the forward head carriage before you do shoulder rehab. So ideally, in a perfect world, um, you're going to be able to take work off, get that shoulder rehabbed. And I'm talking within two weeks, okay, you can start to get that curve of the neck back and shoulder rehabbed. Because, I mean, we literally do before and after x-rays in two weeks. So we're not talking about missing a season or being out of work for a long period of time. And you have to correct the forward head posture. Um, it, it's, I, I don't know what type of mental distortion doctors have when they're not looking at the cervical spine, which has the brachial plexus that comes out and supplies the, the shoulder, and they're not looking at the thoracic area to see if there's any thoracic distortions, knowing that that scapula glides up and down, and the scapula is where that that shoulder bone attaches, that humerus. So you've got to look at the biomechanics there. But they're not doing that. They're looking at the shoulder joint as the problem. That's why they're injecting it, shooting it, ultrasounding it, which none of those things work. Now, ice on a shoulder, I would only do if there's acute swelling. So if you're working extra hard that day, if you just had a big event or something and your shoulder swollen, you can ice for the first 24 hours. After that, though, you want to use moist heat on the shoulder because you have so many tendons. You've got so many joints. And, and you're talking the acromion clavicular joint, the glenohumeral joint. You've got, you've got tendons going all around the place, and around each tendon is a bursa sac. So look at at all the areas that, that need fluid in there because they're all hydraulic. And that'll make a huge, huge difference. And then the most important is look at the prescription drugs you're taking. Because if you're taking any, Advil, Motrin, Aleve, those all destroy the building blocks of cartilage, which is proteoglycan production. It also decreases inflammation, and inflammation is how the body heals. So what do you do for pain? Number one, ice for the first 24 hours, moist heat after that. That'll, that'll take care of a lot of discomfort. Um, knowing that inflammation is how the body heals and the moist heat is going to increase inflammation, inflammation creates free radicals. So you've got to deactivate those free radicals by um, taking antioxidants. And this is going to be um, high-dose vitamin C, which will help heal the joint, glutathione, which will help heal the joint and clean the liver, 
um, omega-3s, which will help hormone production and, and decrease pain and help the blood get healthy. So vitamin C, okay, omega-3s. Don't take vitamin C and glutathione together. They tend to cancel each other out. Um, but, you know, just look at uh, juicing and blending. If you're juicing stuff, because remember, chronic pain is a big deal. Okay, that'll thicken up blood. And you've got three blood filters. You've got the kidneys, lungs, and liver. So malic acid in apple juice cleans the kidneys. Carrots and carrot, uh, the, the beta carotene and carrot juice cleans the lungs. And those are two blood filters. Okay, beets are fantastic. They're going to turn your poo and pee red, but they're fantastic for cleaning the liver. So look at carrot, apple, beet juice, okay? Those are going to be soluble fibers, get the nutrients, and they're going to start to clean the filters. So your blood is going to get healthy. Um, and you're going to see... And we Let's syndrome, and I hate saying syndrome because it's really uh, ridiculous. Um, you've got to get the five keys to healing. Number one, proper nerve supply, restore the curve of the neck. Regular exercise, that means uh, you've got to have that labrum repositioned. So you're going to do ligamentous-based exercises for the shoulder as well as the neck. Proper nutrition, this means healthy um, antioxidants sufficient rest so your body can regenerate, and then prayer and meditation because this is a stressful event. If you're a professional athlete, if you're a contractor, um, let me tell you, all our bodies, <laughs> they're how we make a living. And if your body isn't working right, you're not making a living. Okay, Even if you're retired, you're not enjoying life. So take care of your physical, chemical, emotional stress. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate, God bless you, and I love you. And tonight we're going to have a lot of information that um, will be censored as well, added on to this. Um, you will get better, guaranteed. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.